Okay, good morning, everybody. Bill Lester here. Uh, welcome to this week's virtual plant clinic. Here with me today is my regular co-host, Lily Browning, who is with Hernando County Florida Friendly Landscaping. I see nine principles in the background right behind you there. There we go. Now, I can read them now. One, two, three. I only see eight. Your name is blocking number nine. I'm sure it's there, though. Oh, yeah, it is there. Okay. And it's rocking number four. <laughs> there we go. Shall I be okay. like this through the whole time? <laughs> Stop rocking. You're going to make me dizzy. <laughs> but I'm here today with Lily Browning, and we're here today to answer any and all lawn care, landscaping, fruit, vegetable, small animal, insect, plant disease. Let's see. What else do we cover here? Any of your lawn and garden kind of questions so Back if you have any questions huh? as always just put them in the comments and we should be able to see them all depending on what platform you're watching us from and we will we will do our best to answer them hey bill this background behind me it's, by yes. way, it's real it's not virtual <laughs> um, <laughs> um uh you know who made it who uh, someone I graduated from high school with. <laughs> I'm not making that up. <laughs> His name is Alan Yarbrough, and he is in the, uh, you know, the art uh, department at the uh, water management district. <laughs> Bill thinks I know everyone, and I graduated with everyone, and we were just having a conversation before the <laughs> campus started about uh, he, need, he had issues at the nursery with the gate and needed county facility maintenance and the two gentlemen we were talking about involved with that i also graduated with them <laughs> you know everybody from high school don't you or church or other civic Somewhere. groups i yes. guess yes <laughs> yeah i know if i have a question about county government about who handles this or that or whatever or who this is or who that is i just ask you you know it yeah. all yes yep I mean, before that conversation, you were asking me about um, who handles invasive plants on the right of ways, and I was giving you names for that as well. Because I worked for several years, a few years, at the Department of Public Works. So. <laughs> yes, and that topic was on Brazilian pepper, because remember here in Hernando County, now this only applies to Hernando County that I know of, I don't know. I could barely keep on top of the rules and regulations here, so I don't know them for all other counties. But here in our county, Brazilian pepper, which is a really bad invasive tree, and white lead tree, which is another invasive tree, are both prohibited. So if people have them growing in their yard or on their property, they are responsible for getting rid of them from your property. Those are the, yeah, the only two plants. There's a lot of that are on the prohibited do not sell, do not transport, you know, lists. But in Hernando County, there's only two that if they are on your property, you will be asked, <laughs> probably more than asked, you will be required to remove it. If, if it is uh, undeveloped property and you live in Maine, mm -hmm. you're going to get a letter um, telling you to have someone remove it. And uh, somebody sent you a memo asking, it, it sounded as if it were on county property. So I was giving 
your names and who to contact for that. Exactly. So if you live in Hernando County, you can't be growing uh, Brazilian pepper or white lead tree. You find 95% of those trees over on the coast. So it's mostly right on the coast. If you live further inland, like I, I, I do know of a few Brazilian pepper trees around Spring Hill. Um, when you drive out County Line Road, there's a lake on the Hernando County side of the road. And there's a lot of Brazilian pepper ringing the lake there. Oh, but as a general uh, rule, the only people that have to worry about it here are right on the coast. Yeah, yes. Obviously, somebody probably planted it there is how it got there. It was or, probably planted, but probably by birds. Yeah, I was going to say, or a bird from Hernando Beach came and like, ooh, a lake. Yep. And they got some water and then planted the Brazilian pepper right there. I know exactly where you mean. There's like... Yep county line you look to the right there's a lake and then there's houses like a u around it kind of. yep. mm -hmm. every year when you during the holidays when you drive by you see all the bright red berries on the trees because uh -huh. brazilian pepper is also called christmas berry or winter berry it has a lot florida, of florida christmas berry florida holly which, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of silly because there are florida hollies so why do you mm -hmm. have to take you know, an invasive plant and call it a Florida holly when we do have <laughs> real Florida hollies. So. Yeah, Brazilian pepper is kind of a funny tree because beekeepers love it. So if you actually keep bees, because yeah. the trees flower now in the fall, they should be flowering right around now. Mm -hmm. um, bee is a great source of they, they love the honey that comes from it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a great uh, source of pollen and nectar for bees to eat in the summer. Because mm -hmm. beekeepers do love it, but it is it takes over our um, natural areas. You drive down I-4 going south this time of year or all winter. Mm -hmm. That's when you can really recognize. And basically, when you're going down I-4 I and there's nothing beside you but all greenery, unfortunately, that is probably Brazilian pepper. Yeah, I know if you drive just down uh, either the Veterans Memorial, what's the name of the highway? Veterans Memorial or Suncoast up here. Suncoast Highway or I-75 heading south towards Tampa area. You don't have to go too far until all the trees along the side of the highway are generally Brazilian pepper. Yeah. So we have a lot and it's a big mm -hmm. problem. And we're never going to get rid of it all. But here in Hernando County, they did take the steps to at least ban it from private property. And they're working on it. And what happens on the public property is the Department of Public Works is budgets a certain amount to do their part on um, the right of ways that belong to the county. Um, but, you know, when that money runs out, then they're done <laughs> with that project for the year. So, but tomorrow... Starts a new year, doesn't it? Here, and it's funny. And I've worked for Hernando County for so long that, in my mind, you know, October first is 2022 because everything budget-wise, it is. So, I'm in the I'm in the new year, a couple months before it actually comes. Yeah, fiscal years can be a little confusing. University of Florida begins July first. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of them. 
Yeah, a lot of places, the fiscal year ends June 30th, right at the six-month period. I don't know why county government does October 1st. It's just always been that way. Mm-hmm. So, and I take it extension came through, had their budget approved, everything was fine? Yes, ma'am. Great. No questions, no issues. Because they like to hold off the budget final approval to like September 28th or something, like you hold on to the last minute. So, they wait till the night before to actually sign it. Yes. Yeah, we're we're going to be here, both of us, another year. So that's good news. <laughs> yes. So we're here today and we will be back again next Thursday at 10 a.m. to answer all your questions as best we can. And hopefully for many more Thursdays after that. Yes. So, hey, anybody has a question, just go ahead and put it in the uh, chat box on either Facebook or our Facebook group. Or if you're watching us on YouTube Live, you can put your question in the comments there and we will see it. Did you see the two emails I sent you with the screenshots I stole from Facebook? Yes, I did. Um, here, I got one. <clears throat> one surprised me that, it, that it's back and that it's so close to us. I mean, I knew exactly what it was, but the fact that it's making a return. There we go. That is a Sega. Okay, I guess we can start with this one. That's a Sega Palm. <clears throat> Basically looks like it's been sprayed with Christmas um like that snow foam you can get in the spray um and somebody put it on this florida entomology group for id and as a matter of fact the moderator writes in there that he turned off comments because there's just (laughs) (laughs) bill and i know what this is (laughs) and it's not good news no and they're in citrus county which is why it surprised me Number one, it surprises me that the Sago Palms made it through this disaster. And they've been okay-ish for what, the past five, six years? But apparently, maybe another thing about Citrus County is they got more rain than anybody else recently. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Because when this first entered the scene was in 2004 after Francis, Charlie, Jeannie, Opal, all of those hurricanes brought up this pest from South Florida. I'll let the good doctor tell you all about it. Well, we get fewer and fewer questions and pictures about this. And I think at least one of the reasons why that is, is fewer and fewer people even have a Sago in their landscape. They used to be very, very common plants. I know 20, 30 years ago, they were, they were very common. Mm-hmm. There were people in older neighborhoods would have very, very large ones. And because they grow so slowly, they're worth a lot of money. So even if you go to the store and you want to buy a little Sago, it would be, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks for a three gallon pot because they're very slow growers. But this is an insect pest called the Asian Cycad Scale. And this scale, it, as the person asks here on Facebook, uh, trying to figure out whether the white stuff is spider mites or really bad aphids, it's neither. It's a scale that feeds on sagos, 
it would probably feed on other cycads. I don't know whether other kimchi. I don't know if it goes after cardboard palms or what, but it just devastated sagos in general. I don't know if it goes after those diune sagos either. It may because we have very few of both of those here. So even though they may both be hosts, because we have so few growing in the county, I generally don't right. get questions about it. Cardboard palms are too uh, tropical for us. <laughs> um, but the coonties, I've never seen any coonties have the problem. And the interesting thing is those four cycads that we're talking about, sagos, diunes, cardboard palms, coonties, one of them doesn't have the problem with it. Dr. Lester, which one of those is the native? <laughs> oh, Kunti's. Yes. So I've, I've never seen this pest on Kunti's. Kunti's do get mealybugs and a few other things, but they're usually controlled by beneficial insects like native um, ladybird beetles. Mm -hmm. They, you know, have a, a way of keeping them each other under control. So it's really not a huge problem. Um, Corey says it, along the coast, on the water and citrus, it stays warmer. So I think the pests get killed off. That is true. If we have a really cold winter, and if you live inland or in a really cold spot, it does kill the scales off. So they're gone for a while, right. but they always come back eventually. And, yeah, and this, yeah, you this. cannot control this with neem oil. Horticultural oil work, works to a certain extent, but not really, really well because what happens is the scales are on the leaves as you can see in the picture that kind of white stuff is the scales and then the scales also feed on the stem below ground and you can't spray below ground so this is one of those few situations where the appropriate or only effective control is going to be a uh, systemic insecticide and there's certain ones that we can uh, recommend university of florida has a lot of good information on this but if you still want to have a sago in your yard, you're going to have to go out there and treat it religiously a couple times a year to keep the scales away, or they will kill it totally and completely dead. Down deep into the roots. Yeah, they, they have cut down and found them just totally all over the roots. And um, it's been years, so you you know you may know the, the latest treatment is that in systemic insecticide but what they were trying to do when it first came out is and again it required treatment after treatment after treatment of either uh, fish oil like smelly hardcore fish oil that you would need to like get rid of your clothes after you <laughs> you know have have used this product on it and drench it just deep in there it was just so much more work really than the sago was worth, unfortunately. Yeah, and a lot of people have had their sagos die, and I'm, I'm sure many people never knew what killed them. Mm -hmm. But they die because these scales will kill it eventually if you do absolutely nothing, and they replaced it with something else. Um, I see fewer and fewer sagos around. Me too, so yeah. You can have them. You're going to have to treat them because you will get the scale pretty much guaranteed. If you're in a warmer area, they pretty much never go away. If you're a little further north and inland where it gets really cold and we have a cold winter, then you get kind of uh, some breathing room for a little bit. Right. 
Well, I think what happened is, yeah, about 2004 is when this came up to the area. 2008, I would say, was our last cold winter when we actually got down to about 17. Yeah. And um, and it actually, it was weird because that was the first time I remember in all my years in Florida where we went a solid month in 2008, the month of January, never getting above 40 degrees during the day. I've never experienced that before or since. But so that event probably knocked those numbers down. But now that's been, you know, quite some, what, 13, 14 years ago. So we're seeing these rise up again, especially with all the, the wet weather that's coming through the whole area where we're ahead as far as inches of rain that we should have for this time of year. But Citrus County, just for some reason, took the brunt of it. So. Yeah, we were driving north, what was it, last weekend. I didn't notice a lot of standing water in Citrus County, but north of there in Levy and Dixie counties, there was a lot of standing water in all the roadside ditches, everywhere alongside of the road, and even in the woods, low-lying woods, lots of standing water. Oh, I need to correct myself. I should say it didn't get out of the 40s. It got above 40, but it didn't get above 49. <laughs> so yeah well i hope it doesn't do that this winter i really want to get some mangoes and some <laughs> tropical fruit and stick it in the yard i don't need one of those unusually cold winters right away for them i am very happy that saturday um the high is going to be 82. i am happy with that because i will be at the in downtown brooksville at the fun and safety fest um uh sponsored by the sheriff's department and the um fire department here in hernando county it is uh replacing what was once upon a time national night out and it was in the target parking lot um from like five to nine or something like that 9 p.m this will actually be during the day and it'll be in downtown brooksville it'll be from noon to five so i'm really happy because National Night Out is much fun as the community had. Let me tell you, it was the hottest event I've ever had to do. Maybe Hurricane Expo was pretty hot too at the fairgrounds. But when you're the one setting up the booth and everything, it was just hot. So it's going to be a very nice day on Saturday. And if you check out my Facebook page, I'll show you. It's the, the day that everybody wants to have plant sales and things. Last week, last Saturday, Hernando County Native Plant Society had it at the Chinsegat Manor House. This Saturday, you have your choice. You can go down to Brooker Creek in uh, Parkin Springs. Be careful. If you buy something, make sure it'll grow up here. Or Lake County, I believe, is having a native plant, plant sale. And they are, you know, anything they grow, we should be able to grow. Uh, Pasco County is having what they call Gardening 365 down in San Antonio. Or come and see me in downtown Brooksville. There's, you know, a lot of outside things you can do. And yes, the master gardeners the entire month of October are stretching out a uh, fall plant sale. I wasn't going to forget that, Bill. <laughs> yes, our master gardeners are having a special sale for the entire month of October to try to reduce their inventory of plants before we go into winter time. 
I believe it's 30% off of um, pretty much everything, which you can't beat that. Yeah. So there's their address. They are, as of October 1st, going back to their wintertime hours. They're going to be there from 8.30 in the morning until noon every day because it won't be 1,000 degrees at 11 in the morning. Yes. <laughs> It'll be hopefully It'll 82. Be <laughs> yeah. You know, something a little bit more bearable. I mean, gosh, we didn't want to kill them or anything out oh, there no, making no, them work no. till noon. No, they're volunteers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want anybody falling out from dehydration or anything, but the weather's starting to cool off a little bit, become more pleasant. So please be sure to visit our Master Gardener Nursery, buy a whole bunch of plants. They're there every Wednesday and Saturday from 8.30 in the morning until noon. And check out my Facebook page. I have all those great things you can do. And see, just doing those things, you'll feel fall-ish. <laughs> you can have <laughs> fall events in uh, Florida, but if you want to come stop by and see me, I will be right next to Carmen Bruno, the recycling coordinator in Hernando County. We'll be on downtown Brooksville by the library. We'll be on Fort Dade Avenue under trees hopefully um so you want to yell at carmen about your trash can or whatever um, or i like my big blue can or ask him about recycling um come on by i'll be right next to him and we can have a nice conversation as well i always try to get next to him because i tell him i'm his number one fan he's got this really nice really big fan mm -hmm. <laughs> that he brings to and he helps me raise the canopy and everything. So. Well, take advantage of the beautiful fall weather that's just starting right now. And Corey points out that about every five years or so, we get the really cold winters, the tropical fruit killers. But microclimate can protect tropical fruit trees if they're established. And that's exactly what I'm shooting for. I have a couple of kind of warm spots in my yard. I'm just figuring out exactly what I'm going to put where and what varieties I'm going to get. Um, you wanted yeah, to try horseradish too. You wanted to try horseradish this winter too. Yes, yes, I need to. I may need to make myself a. Oh, note. and speaking of edible things, that's the other email I sent you. Something you might want to share. Oh yeah. And speaking of fall. And we can tie this in that apparently, I never find these things out until, you know, the day before. October is Native Plant Month. So that goes hand in hand with what Bill is going to show you that I shared from Marion County Master Gardener on a Facebook post that they had in Ocala. Okay, let me go ahead and pull it up here. Does anybody have beautyberry, either on purpose or accidentally in your yard? Oh, that's kind of small to read. I can't make it much bigger now. No, what we can do is that's a recipe for beautyberry jelly. So if you're interested in it, um, I'll share it on my Facebook page, or you can email me and I will send that to you as well. Beauty Berry are, they're very beautiful this time of year. Um, you know, if you have any in your yard or in the woods near you, you can check them out. They're varying greatly. 
if you you can pick them off and wash them and eat them and you will be fairly unimpressed <laughs> so, <laughs> it won't hurt you but you'll be fairly unimpressed so but they make great jams and jellies if you have enough sugar with them <laughs> so this is a, yeah uh, you know if you add enough sugar everything's going to taste better yeah Corey, mix them with raspberries there you go another right mix them with other sweeter berries too yeah yeah no, that's yeah. a great idea uh-huh so if you're interested in that i'll try to remember to share it to my facebook page or email me um, bill will share my email in a little bit and i'll copy that recipe and send that to you or you can look up on facebook marion county master gardeners and that's where i saw it so, and i bet you our <laughs> well you know but if it's something everyone seems to want to try at once <laughs> so, um yeah corey corey added that at the end he just throws away all the beauty berries and just makes raspberry jam. Yes. <laughs> and Cindy and Don say they've heard that it's the last berry of choice, even among wildlife. The birds. And that's true. The birds will eat it, but it's not the first thing they eat during the winter. It's like the last. It's like a kid and vegetables on their plate. It's the last thing they'll eat. And you know what they're waiting for when the birds eat them or when they're pretty much black? They have turned into beauty berry raisins and think about that um they have more sugar concentration when they're dehydrated that way like raisins compared to grapes so yeah the birds know that they're nutritious and edible but they're just not the thing they go for immediately but they're gosh mine are just so beautiful this time of year been meaning to take a picture yeah and the one right out in front of our office here looks really good and the nice thing about the berries not being eaten by birds first is you get to enjoy them for longer during the winter that's true and i've heard i don't know whether this is true and of course bill is going to uh you know not agree with it but i have heard that they have some uh mosquito repellent properties or something that the old floridians would like put the branches of it under the saddles of their horses and stuff sounds like that would hurt the horses maybe it's just the leaves i don't know but no it does um it has a um compound in it american beauty berry is calicarpa americana i believe yes it is and there's calicarpin or calicarp something or other it's an actual compound in it and it does have a certain amount of insecticidal properties in the leaves, yeah. don't worry about the other now, berries. If you have a bush growing in your yard, that's not going to chase the first mosquito away. If you take the leaves or berries or whatever, grind them up and rub them on you, it may help, but it's not going to be the strongest or most absolute protection right. from mosquitoes. And what I do is because it does grow naturally around uh, my yard, it grows naturally around probably where Diana lives and where. Linda, who's not with us today, you know, lives. Um, what I have done is I've taken several from the more natural areas and planted them um, 
in the, you know, the more formal, no part of my yard is formal, but the more formal part of my yard. And I mean, I think they make absolutely gorgeous, you know, even specimen bushes. Now they're deciduous, so it is going to, you know, month or maybe two months, maybe after we have a frost is going to lose all its leaves. So you will have some naked bushes for a while, but gosh, they are beautiful this time of year. So easy, so easy to grow. You, It's a weed. You can't kill it. It's um, a wild bush that grows just great on its own out in the forest, in the woods. And if you start growing them in your yard, when the birds do eat the berries, they will poop the berries back out all over, and you may start to get more of them in your yard. I, I tell this story in some of my classes that I had one in the front yard, and I put it was my fault. I put it too close to the house. So it was actually getting too big for where it was and getting up in the eaves and all of this. So I decided I'm going to have to move you, and it was pretty big. Well, I did not know that it would turn into a royal rumble between me and the beautyberry bush. And I was out there. If it, luckily, you know, no cameras at that time. I have neighbors now, maybe they have ring doorbells or something, but, um, you know, tried to dig it up and me and the beautyberry are back and forth, and back, and back and forth. I finally took an ax to its roots and then emerged the victor and carried it victoriously to the backyard where I planted it in a different place. After fighting with it, after taking an ax to its roots, dug a hole, planted it. Do you know what it did? Planted. It did just fine. <laughs> okay, fine, I'll grow here. Never even looked distressed for a second. <laughs> They're tough. Now, now, we don't generally recommend that for transplanting all plants in your yard, but <laughs> There are some plants that are pretty tough, and I've not always been gentle when transplanting things, and I've taken access to roots also, and sometimes you move them, and if, as long as you move it to a good spot, they'll take right back off. I'll take a picture of it um, to show you next week, and then of another one that I transplanted from my backyard that is just, it's almost starting to look weeping. You know, I have like three planted beautifully across the back. And I am thinking about, because we bought extra lots next to us, gathering up some of the beautyberry growing naturally and making a row of them between where, you know, it's bound that someone's going to build there in my neighborhood. So, and then they'll yeah. be free, you know. <laughs> I've never seen them used as a hedge before, but they could be. Frank Galdo from Pasco says, where does he say it's a government building in Pasco County that is using it as a hedge and they, you know, uh, prune it as a hedge and it still blooms some of the berries and stuff. And he says it does just fine. Huh. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Corey says that he tore some out just down to the main bare roots trim them down to four inches, put them in the ground, they're doing just fine. Mm -hmm. So some of these plants can take a lot of abuse. I know crepe myrtles are very transplantable. Right. And if they get large and well-established, you're going to be using an ax or something mm -hmm. very sharp to take off some of the roots. 
And every time I've tried moving them, they've done well. <laughs> They're pretty tough, yes. Yeah, and Corey's going to try to use them beauty berries to make part of a hedge mixed with some other things. So, yeah, if anybody ever does that, share some pictures, email them to me, and we'll go ahead and share them with everybody here. And let me put up my email address. And, of course, if you ever have any kind of questions, lawn and garden questions, insect ID, whatever it might be, the best way to get in touch with me and get a quick answer is through email with multiple good pictures. Don't ever be afraid of sending too many pictures. There's no such thing as too many pictures. Try to make them clear. And if you email me, I'll get your um, question and be able to start working on it and get back to you. Okay. So with October being Native Plant Month, I'm going to try to um, look back on some of the old videos that I have done or we have done and be sharing those you know, throughout October on my Facebook page. Because um, we always get really excited about all the spring um, native plants. And I realize I don't think I've done anything really on fall native plants. And the fall native plants, I have noticed, Frank mentioned it as well, they're all either really dark purple or yellow. <laughs> it's like those are the, a lot of the uh, native wildflower native plants colors and in spring early spring we have the blue flowers of spring and then some of the pinks and all that come up too and oh purple love grass blooming right now muley yep. grass is blooming right now i was concerned because purple love grass also grows naturally all around the royal highlands where i live and going down Hexham Road, which is one of the main roads. It's always beautiful this time of year to see the patches of pink or purple, whatever color, you know, you see it as, as you're driving by. I was concerned we would not see it because right before it was supposed to happen, the, the roadside got mowed. But you know what? It seemed to help because it is the lovely carpets of purple are there. So I get to enjoy that going and coming to work every morning. There are a lot of decorative grasses and bunch grasses that really benefit from being cut back severely or even burned. I was mm -hmm. reading a um, Facebook thread last night about lemongrass because I don't know if I'm sure I mentioned before that I planted some lemongrass, a couple bunches in the backyard. Um, year and a half ago at this point and I started them from seed oh, and they okay. came up and did great last winter they got frozen they turned totally brown I didn't cut them back or do anything to them this spring now they are literally five feet tall and huge and doing great and people yeah. were saying that with lemongrass you can cut it back and it'll just grow back bigger and thicker lots of other decorative grasses um and some of them and I would assume that muley grass, and I've never read this before, but muley grass will probably benefit, believe it or not, from burning. Oh, burning. Because it would be used to being burned. Um, some people said that they did. Well, somebody said that they um I don't suggest you go burn your yard. Miniature Nobody. roses, and they had a grilling accident and accidentally burned them down. And they said the miniature roses came back bigger and better than ever. <laughs> so 
Please do not listen to Dr. Lester and his, his advice about burning your yard down. Um. No, 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 we're not saying set fire to your yard, but um, some of these different grasses in the spring, and people will ask this, should I cut? And they ask it with the, um, um, the different decorative grasses, the pompous grass and things like that. Should I cut them down or should I leave them? Either way, you can just leave them and they'll green back up and they'll grow back and look just fine. If you cut them to the ground and clean them all up, they should grow right back and look bigger and better just fine. So either way works. That's Frank Geldo's pet peeve are people who turn muley grass into what he calls um, boot, boot brushes. <laughs> but they seem to want to do it like uh, in September or something, you know, when yeah. you take away that beautiful inference that it gives. So if you're going to do it wait until it's done, or I wouldn't, no, I wait for the green because you don't want to do it and then we get a cold snap either. But um, I have Fakahatchee grass mm -hmm. and it's about time. It's telling me it wants a trim. And the way it tells me, and it took me several years to understand its language. <laughs> and Fakahatchee grass is, you know, a big, it's not like that, the gamma grass or anything, but it's, they make, you know, pretty good size and shrub-like bunches. And I didn't understand their language for a couple of years. They get really droopy. So I'm like, well, okay, I'll be watering you. And that didn't help. And now I have learned when they get really droopy, they want a haircut and they spring back just fine. And I don't cut them way, way, way back because they're pretty big. Anyway, I, I might cut them in basically in half. Yeah. So, yeah, I do know of a yard that I pass by where they have along the front of the house by the edge of the sidewalk, and this is in a HOA subdivision. They have muley grass, which is great, but they maintain it as a little square box. And yeah. it looks awful most of the time. See, that's the problem. They put it like along sidewalks for some reason, and then yeah. you know, it gets in the way. It goes back to right plant, right place. Put it somewhere where it can just grow in all its glory. I have some on the side of the house, you know, just let it do its its thing there. I think some people are just obsessed with everything outdoors has to be in a shape. So the muley grass will make that in a little box. All of our hedges, you know, round, curved, this and that. The oak tree in the front yard, well, we have to trim that to look like a big lollipop, <laughs> which is horrible for a tree. That's just, it ruins its shape, it ruins its health gonna you're if you do that to an oak tree it's not gonna live to be 100 years old won't even live to be 20 it's gonna die a lot sooner than that nature is not symmetrical no and doesn't like branches pruned by your long guy several times a year so and i've never thought it looks very attractive either no i like to let things go natural and do their thing yeah, I mean, Disney can do it and get away with it, but they go out in the middle of the night and replace half that landscape stuff on a very, yes, very regular basis. Oh, you know, if you look at uh, Groveland and Claremont and all that and all the amount of nurseries, it's because Disney is a constant, um, you know, that's almost everything they have is an annual if it even lasts that long. Because if it looks bad, they're replacing it. They don't yeah. know, wait till the middle of the night. They have those people that you don't even notice who will 
<laughs> go right behind you and plop a new petunia in there. <laughs> you don't have that kind of budget. No, I know, I don't. Yeah. And the carbon footprint is just, you don't even want to think about it. Yeah, we don't want to encourage homeowners to do that. No. So let's see, we're kind of getting near the end here. If anybody has any questions, go ahead and share them now. Um, let me think, what kind of questions have you answered this past week? Any, anything that's uh, kind yes, of seasonal or timely here? Somebody told me they were going to, they were getting ready to move here. I almost said fixing to move here. Um, and, <laughs> um, to Spring Hill. And I think they're coming from South Florida from the questions they asked. They want a privacy hedge. And they were asking about one I hadn't heard of, but I looked up and it was tropical. And, um, or a podocarpus. And I told him, well, the first hedge he asked for was zoned for not just tropical, it was zoned for um, 10B and 11A, like the keys. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that it would probably freeze here. And that Podocarpus, he also wanted them to grow quickly and not need a lot of maintenance. So I'm like, well, Podocarpus is not going to spread all that well. They're going to be more columnar. I have seen them, you know, used as like a spread out hedge, but that's going to take some time. So I went through the FFL book and I, you know, made some suggestions. Um, any holly, really, they grow really well here. Um, sweet viburnum, Walter's viburnum is a native, any of the native hollies. I'm trying to think of something that grows, you know, quickly what he was asking for, other than silver thorn, <laughs> which would grow. Yeah, 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 we don't want to wreck, although that sweet. makes a heck of a hedge. Yeah, it makes, it would provide that privacy screening, but I know it's not even in the Florida Friendly Landscaping book. They're moving away from it. Yes, thank you, Corey. I also suggested Simpson Stopper. Um, I'm trying to think of all the, you know, just to give him a direction to go. Oh, and something easy that he could just go to a any uh, garden center and get was uh, Laura Pedlum. You know, it's not a native, but it. Uh, that it grows quickly when make a nice, it's kind of fine. So it's not a thick, thick edge, but I have some and um, have some old silver thorn around the air conditioner. And I put some that plum delight Laura Pedlum going off from it down the house. Mm -hmm. And my husband nicely pruned the <laughs> silver thorn and he left the Laura Pedlum alone because he was kind of afraid. He didn't know what I wanted done with it. And it was getting all, you know, tall and leggy. So I said, I would just go ahead and prune it. What I didn't know what was going to happen is as soon as he um, uh, uh, pruned the Laura Pedlum, which is also Chinese fringe bush, it is coming back with that bright purple leaves, what it's named for, the Plum Delight, that particular, uh, what you call it, cultivar. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, now I've learned something. Keep these Laura Pedlums actually keep them trimmed and they'll retain that dark purple leaves so see learn stuff too there you go and corey did email me a couple pictures here 
This one is, these are, um, what does he say? Two natives. This is Leatris Chapmane, a uh, type of Monarda, which would be, Monardas are bee balms. It's a common name for them. And. It's so um, blown up, it almost looked like the Podocarpus that I was talking about. There's some wow. blazing star, Leatris. Yes. Beautiful. Slow email. Too much stuff open. Let us all look at the spinning circle of death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, I have those. <laughs> Here we go. Uh-huh. I saw these, and I'm, I'm not positive if it was this exact species, because I was driving, you know, 45, 55 miles an hour. You know, you can't notice too many details. But up north, around the Panhandle, these are flowering right now. And I saw a lot of Coreopsis alongside of the highway also. Oh, nice. So, kind of that last burst of color and flowers I told you purple and yellow is the fall thing especially in the sandy dry areas oh you have a question about milkweeds okay well here let's do this one first basam asks is the firebush fruit edible no uh a very easy to answer of uh, firebush have you ever noticed that near, and it doesn't do this generally during the summer, but once we start to get near fall and heading into winter, it will start setting little fruits and they're just little dark, almost black or black berries. I'm gonna be on the lookout for it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, birds eat them and be, be warned that rodents will eat them also if the birds don't eat them. But yeah, you wouldn't want to eat them. It's it's great for wildlife though. That's why um firebush oh, yeah. is so great for everything. Gosh, butterflies and bees, hummingbirds and, birds. and other birds that eat the berries. And um Corey said he hated common names. I have a story about that. One of my sisters I told her I was going to this conference and there would be native plants available for sale. And she said she wanted some firebush. So I got her three firebushes. And this was several years ago, I think like 2018 or something. And still every so often she'll point at them where she planted them and she goes, it's not what I asked for. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Those are native fire bushes. And it only occurred to me recently, like, I bet she meant fire spike. That's what she thought she was asking for, which is yeah. a non-native kind of just not a bush, you know, kind of long spiky. And that is, that's the problem with common names. And there's also firecracker. Yeah, there's which that. Which is a totally different plant. Absolutely, yes. And they're all three great is. to have, but they're yeah. all three very different plants. Yes. And then she'll get mad if I use native or Latin names. Okay, <laughs> <So. laughs> Susan has a question about milkweeds. So she says, my milkweed flowers have been eaten by orange bugs. Now there's some bugs on that look like large brown scale. I don't use chemicals. What to do? Well, your milkweed plants probably do have something called milkweed bugs on them. And they don't eat the flowers. 
they're there to eat the seeds because it is a seed bug. It's in the same family with Chidera bugs, which eat uh, golden rain tree seeds. And there's a whole bunch of different species of bugs in that order that feed on seeds of different specific plants. So milkweed plants get milkweed bugs. It's a fairly decent sized insect, orange and black, pretty colorful. They're not hurting your plants. If you are growing, if you're trying, if you're growing the plants and you're trying to save the seeds, you probably don't want too many milkweed bugs hanging out. Um, you yeah, can just use, them. you just shoo them off. You can, yeah. let me see, plink them off. You can take them and throw them over the fence. Although they, fly, they fly, back. Yes. What, well, I would ask what kind of milkweed do you have because by this time of year your native milkweed is going to start um you know in another month or so it's going to start going down depending on where you are if you are in central florida it's going to start going down for the season if you have it feels like oh my gosh she's going to get on this tangent again if you have um tropical milkweed that you can buy in the big box stores Asclepius cursivaca just made my sister mad about using a Latin name, but that's the that's the one um, that's the non-native. The problem with them is they don't, um, you know, go down for the winter season, and they'll grow even here in Central Florida unless we have a freeze all year long. And the problem is, it's a long story, but you're tricking the monarchs into staying where up here when they should be going further south and they could end up freezing. That's only one of the bad things that could happen to them. And I'm not gonna harp on it. Um, so if you have the tropical milkweed, that would be the orange yellow flowers that you know are together there. Um, by November 1st, cut them down, keep them cut down until mid-March. That'll be the best for your monarchs. If you have a native, and it's starting to have of these issues, that's okay, because it's starting to, you know, go past its season. That's the advice I would give. And the native ones will naturally go dormant and die back mm -hmm. for the winter, all on their own. Mm -hmm. Just let them yep. follow whatever time schedule they want to. Yep. And the little bugs on there that you say look like brown scales are probably oleander aphids. They're not a huge pest with milkweeds. I every milkweed I look at has aphids on it, and they never kill it. So you can you can live with them. Mm -hmm. And then, like Lily said, the, the plants are going to be gone for the season pretty soon anyway. And that way, you can start clean, clean slate, new fresh new growth next spring when they come back. So. I lost my other monitor. That's why I'm looking in two different oh, directions. Okay. okay. <laughs> I thought you had someone in your office or something. No, 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 no. Nobody ever, nobody comes to see me. They call. <laughs> my phone blown up, my office phone blown up all day. <laughs> but if you guys have a question, just like I said, shoot me an email. There's my email address and include lots of pictures. No such thing as too many pictures or too clear of a picture. Try to send clear pictures to help. 
And if you have any Florida-friendly landscape questions, go ahead and send them to Lily. She's more than happy to um, help to out them. and recommend <laughs> solutions and plans. And and sometimes I'll pass your email on to Lily or she'll pass hers on to me and we pass them back and forth. We always figure out what's going on eventually and get an answer. Yes. And if we can't figure it out together, then we go to other counties and other people because we know a lot of smart people. We go to smarter people than we are. So. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. if you go to HernandoExtension.com, all one word, Hernando Extension, you're going to see a full listing of all of our upcoming classes and all the information about whether they're going to be on Facebook or through Zoom, how to log in, the links, all the information you need is going to be right there for you to tune in. And keep in mind, almost all those classes, after we do them, we put them back either on YouTube or on Facebook. They generally yeah. all get recorded. So if you can't watch it and participate live, you can still watch it after the fact. Wednesday, I'm going to have uh, much to do about mulch, and it is going to be pre-recorded because um, uh, Bill and I, the last two classes, they've gone fine. But if you watch them, you might notice some conversation between the two of us. There's been some unusual people wanting to join, <laughs> and then we let them in because, you, you know, we give everybody a chance, but we have it pretty well locked down so they can't cause any shenanigans. And then we'll have the chat closed so they can only come to me or Bill. And then they send pretty much it's only been nonsensical chats. So it's been happening for several weeks. And so this doesn't escalate. Um, next week, I'm going to do it pre-recorded so that it's not able to happen again. And then I'll be off for a couple of weeks. And then the following week, I'm only doing rain barrel workshops, so those are closed classes. So I'm hoping a four-week break of open Zoom classes will make these people and their shenanigans bored and <laughs> move on. So The hackers will get bored and go and bother yeah. somebody else. <laughs> yes. And we both keep getting questions in various ways. The questions come to us either during the class or after or whatever from um, somewhere, I'm not sure where they're all coming from, asking if we have certificates for these classes. And the, the question is always, sir or ma'am, do you have a certificate for this class? Have you noticed that, Bill? Yeah, they're so very polite. I don't know what the scam is, <laughs> but since it's, you know, repeating itself, like I didn't even answer yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what this angle is, but. Um, show Corey's um, milkweeds again. Oh. The what? The purple oh. flower one? No, this. No, I'm sorry. No, just, just the list. Um, oh, oh, okay. He has three native milkweeds, and the ones he mentions: piney woods, tuberosa, world, and velvet leaf. He says naturally. That's very, very important. That means that he owns some land where those were already there because only one of those so far, the tuberosa, has been successful in um, being able to be marketed and sold at native plant nurseries. 
the world and uh, Velvet Leaf. Tiny Woods, maybe they're making some success in being able to sell them. There are 21 native milkweeds in Florida. So far, only three have been successful, uh, you know, to be able to sell commercially. They are wonderful wild things that are hard to tame. <laughs> so I'm glad you you have them in your, you know, on your property. Yeah, and University of Florida researchers are always working with uh, commercial growers to find ways to uh, better germinate them, better grow them in a small pot so that they can be sold and more people will be able to add them to their landscape, which would be a good thing. We don't recommend going out on a hike in the woods and digging up plants there to take home. Not only do we not recommend that is highly illegal. Please do not do that. Yes, yes. You might run on the wrong side of the authorities. And Diana wants to make one final reminder that our Master Gardener Nursery plant sale starts this coming Saturday. And they are there 8.30 in the morning until noon now. Mm -hmm. At 19490 Oliver Street in Brooksville. Boy, you have that memorized, don't you? Well, I worked there for 12 years. So I know that okay. Well, well, we have a banner for it, so. <laughs> okay. I don't see any other uh, questions in here. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. For this week thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate this every week uh, be sure to make a list of all your lawn and garden questions all week long so that you can be all ready for thursday morning we'll be back here again next week lily you're gonna be here next thursday i'll be here i'll be yeah here. we'll be here you know how it is making plans in the in the time of the plague but <laughs> I, I oh, mean, my schedule, emergencies come up that only I can solve for people, and we have to have a meeting and this and that, but but I'm planning on being here next Thursday. Yep. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thanks again, everybody. You guys mm -hmm. all have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Get out there to the Master Gardener Nursery and load up on plants, and we'll see you back here again next Thursday at 10 a.m. See you then. Bye-bye.